1: Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and I am joined with my co-host, David Partain. How are you doing, David? Hello, Laura. Beautiful day in Chicago, and I'm excited for today's podcast
2: with a Chicago guest.
1: Yes, I am as well. You know, on the Flexible Advisor, we seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine tune or grow their business while deepening client relationships. And we've been talking a lot about diversity this summer and even beyond, but we really haven't gone too deep on the need for diversity of age in our industry, which is so incredibly important. And as you all may be aware, I'm assuming you are, we are beginning to see the loss of advisors to retirement as the average age of advisors is somewhere in the 50s, depending on which source you're looking at. And clearly we will be losing many senior advisors in the coming decade. Combine that loss of talent with the lack of interest in our industry by younger professionals, and we have a real problem. I so often hear that while firms may be successful in hiring younger talent, they often struggle with retaining that talent. And our guest today is my friend, Yanni Gordon, Principal and Chief Operating Officer and Chief Marketing Officer of JMG Financial Group an RIA with more than $4 billion in AUM located in the suburbs of Chicago. Yanni is passionate and methodical about developing young talent and has been successful in retaining that talent. Actually, right before we started recording, one of her hires from 19 years ago uh, came on and helped us with some technology things. So that was pure proof, Yanni. In the last 14 months, Johnny, Yanni and JMG have put this training to the test. They've hired 25 full-time positions during that p- pandemic to support their rapid growth. JMG has consistently been recognized by Investment News as the best place to work for financial advisors. And that recognitions came in 2018, 2019, 2020, and in 2021. Yanni is a sought-after speaker throughout the industry and is a board member for many organizations, including her alma mater, Dominican University, the Foundation for Financial Planning, Charles Schwab's inaugural DE and I Advocacy Board, the Almost Home Kids, which is affiliated with the Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital here in Chicago, and the Youth Symphony of DuPage. Yanni, welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Hi, Laura. Hi, David.
3: It's so great to be with you. And thank you so much for um, letting me spend this time with you. I'm really looking forward to the conversation.
2: Yanni, thank you so much for joining us. And since you're on the board of the Youth Symphony of DuPage, did you actually play an instrument yourself?
3: I do. Both of my sons played violin from a very early age, but my younger one continued on through college, actually. And I also played the violin for a short time, but my instrument's piano. Oh. And so I still played through college. And I remember when the kids were learning violin, the three of us would do trios at Christmas. It was very nice. And it was actually a very nice way to bond uh, with my sons as they were growing up.
2: Yeah, that's nice. I played piano through high school, but it's a lot like my foreign language requirement. I kind of had to do yeah. it. And <laughs> so I didn't keep it up and didn't really practice with the heart that I should have. That would have made me uh, really love it now. But Nonetheless, I did it. All right. So we've talked about me. Let's talk about you. And let's get started by having you provide a deeper dive on yourself and your history with JMG Financial Group.
3: Okay. Thanks, David. Let me just say it's never too late, David,
2: to get back to it. (laughs) Thank you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's good for the brain. That's right. That's what
2: I hear. Absolutely.
3: You know, JMG Financial Group, we are truly a comprehensive, Uh, planning firm. We have been in business since 1984. I've been here since 1986. And now with my partners retiring in the past few years, I am the second longest tenured employee. My partner, who is our longest tenured employee, only beats me by two months when we joined together in in 1986. So truly, we have grown up together, becoming partners and being involved in the evolution of our firm. But since our firm was founded by accountants back in the 80s, we prepare tax returns. And to this day, that is part of our service. And I really believe that's the way we add value to the client relationship is understanding their tax picture. And then, of course, the investments and estate planning, retirement planning really revolve around the income tax planning. And I think that's really just a key component and the way we focus that part of our business. And because of that, I would say our specialty is in the corporate C-suite executives of publicly traded companies because they have a lot of complex tax issues with stock options and so on. But then we also have a lot of business owners. But I think overall, I would say just in my history here, being a part of the tax planning has really been the center and the focal part of how we add value to our client relationship. Everything else, asset allocation and all of that is very important also, but it's not really about asset allocation, it's also about asset location. And I think that's why the tax planning is so in, so crucial and critical in the comprehensive planning part of our business. Yeah.
2: Well, as Laura mentioned, you have been in hiring mode. Tell us about what's powering that growth engine and about the clients that JMG serves and puts these new hires in front of.
3: Yeah. So we've just been successful growing organically. You know, I've hired now over 75% of our existing employees, 75% of our advisors have all come up from an entry-level position. So we're privately owned. All of the shareholders are also employees of our firm. I have 14 partners. And so with 15 owners, our average tenure is about 24 years. And then with the advisors, the average tenure there is about 19 years. And so that just comes with the evolution and the way we've grown internally and in developing career paths. The interesting thing now, and Laura was talking about the aging part of our industry, is that the career path is so compressed now. We have kids coming out of school already going through the curriculum for for the CFP designation. They're a lot smarter now than when they were uh, when I was hiring them tenor. 20 years ago. They have more internships now. There are more RIAs out there who are looking for talent. So it's just a matter of finding the right fit. And I think during this whole environment with the pandemic, I think a lot of times our business has grown because of referrals clients understanding that we actually become kind of their financial therapist if you will very we are, we are relationship driven and it's that's what's important and i think especially during this time of reflection and a little bit of chaos in the beginning, having somebody there to talk to about your financial situation, but just everything, your family situation. I was also in a client-facing role. And so being there for your clients through their different financial stages of life, I mean, that's really our business. And I think going through this recent pandemic, and I think you know, that's really how we've gotten clients. It's the referrals and them realizing, my goodness, I think I just need more than an accountant. I need more than just an investment manager. I need somebody who knows everything about my picture and has interest in that way. And so I think that's really really been the, the source of our new business. And so, of course, to support that, we've had to hire more people. We have physicians today that we didn't have you know 1 to 5 years ago. So I think that just also speaks to the way we've been able to adapt as leaders and management. Not everybody wants to be a financial advisor, right. not everybody wants to be client facing, bring in business. And I I think that's great because look at all the different opportunities we have in our industry now. There's compliance, there's operations, there's technology, managing people. And I think it's important that we all recognize that. So I think that speaks to why we've just been on a hiring spree. And it's really building that bench because at our firm, it does take time for people to develop those certain skill sets. And I think that's what we're planning for. We never want to be in that, that phase where we're desperate and hiring the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And so I think for us, we're just trying to get ahead of it.
2: Yanni, I want to go back to something you said about, and something Laura mentioned at the top of the show about the need for more advisors. Bloomberg did a study with Greenwich, and I saw this study around two, seven, 2017, and it showed that there are around 290,000 advisors in the U.S., and they, the title of the slide was A Shrinking Valuable Universe, and they predicted by 2022, which is obviously a lot closer today than it was, that because of retirements and the growth of uh, demographics within and growth of population within the United States, that we would be short about 200,000 advisors by 2022. And so we have been, Laura and I have been actually talking about this for quite some time. And I've seen, I've had this on my radar for Since 2017, with that discussion with Bloomberg and Greenwich, and I totally agree with you, we have an issue but sounds like your firm continues to grow and I'm so glad that you are continue to hire and make and help train people up in in this business.
1: That's a really scary statistic, actually, yeah, it is. <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. yeah, And that was pre-pandemic. And we've heard of so many yep. advisors leaving because of the pandemic. So it'd be interesting to see what that number looks like today. I agree.
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is scary. And what I find is, as you know, I mean, what's, what's happening now is the M&A activity is just so rampant right now. And I think what's happening is a lot of the founders of these firms are, may not have a succession plan. But there's always that issue of when, when you have professional management or dedicated management at a firm, the founder delegating and also training the next generation. And I think for us, I really look to my predecessors and my mentors here. They thought of that, you know, 16 to 20 years ago. And so they, they were thinking of their future, but also the future of our firm. And I think that was really important. I think collectively, I, I just saw the statistic uh, with all of our employees. We have over 815 years mm. of service at our company. Wow. And so that to me is extremely special. I mean, my, my partners who are now retired in their 70s, who are clients, by the way, of our <laughs> firm, they were my mentors. And so working with them for 25 to 30 years, and then now them retiring, and then now I'm seeing the kids that I hired out of college, you know, 20 to, you know, 10 to 20 years ago, now becoming my partners. I mean, that is a special cycle. And so I think that's something that we've really focused on is the development. The other part of it is awareness. I kind of see this in the industry to where do we find our talent and why do we have this shortage and i think a lot of times it's lack of awareness of this profession uh, you know i'm sure you also know the statistic of women yeah. cfp's out there that number has not moved in a, a decade or more why is that and i think a lot of times it's it's the awareness of our industry when they're in high school understanding that it's not just about math it's a great profession for women And so I think getting the word out there, we're doing a much better job, but I think obviously we can do more. And it's also, I think, transparency in our business. It's really, and this probably goes to kind of what we're talking about and how we retain the talent. It's really letting them know you know, why we do it a certain way, why they have to train a certain way, why they have to learn certain things and being very honest about that. And I think that's one of the reasons we've been successful with that.
1: So, Yanni, as I do always in preparing for these conversations, I visited the JMG website and read your bio, and I'd like to share a statement. And uh, this was on your website. It says, helping people is what Yanni loves to do. And those on the receiving end of her passion, commitment, and tireless efforts will attest to the value that she brings to every personal and professional relationship. So I read that and I said, wow, it's not very often that I read a corporate biography that truly captures the essence of a person. But as I read this, I realized how perfectly this captured your essence and reminded me of how we got to know each other. It was about five years ago, give or take, and we were at an event and met between one of your sessions. I believe that you were on one of the panels. And your son, Kevin, was there, and we struck up a conversation about our children. And before I knew it, you had slipped me your card and invited my then high school daughter to come and spend a day in your offices to get a feel for what a career in wealth management is like. And you've since introduced me to multiple industry leaders and connected my college son with your other older son to talk about what a career in sales is like. So please talk to us about this passion. I mean, I've witnessed it firsthand, but your passion for connecting people to one another, both inside and outside of the industry and how that's helped you personally and professionally.
3: Sure. You know, I think like all of us, we if we sit down and reflect on how we become who we are today, there was always somebody, and I'm sure that you and David can say the same thing, that impacted your life in a certain way. And so somebody took a chance on me when I was naive college graduate and really had no idea what I wanted to do. But he explained things to me just in terms of thinking process. And so I learned a lot from that in, in the way that he gave me a chance. And so I think if more people did that, spend some time with our young people in this next generation, I think we would all be better off for our future. I mean, my motto has always been now learn something from every person I meet. And if I can help them in any way, I will. And the hope is, of course, that they'll do the same for somebody else someday. When we talk to young people and I bring them into the office and I have them actually talk to new hires who have been with our um, firm for a very short period of time. And I, I tell them, listen, to the students, you're talking to your future. So find out from these folks what maybe they would have done differently or what worked out well. And what advice they might have for you. And then to my to the employees, I tell them this is talking to your past. Why don't you give them some guidance and you approach it that way? What would you tell your 18, 20-year-old self? And I think there's a lot of lessons learned that way. So I think if people would share a little bit more, I think it would just help overall. And then you're truly being genuine. I also grew up as an immigrant. I immigrated to this country when I was three years old from Korea. Also, not many people know this, but I actually was um, sent on the plane by myself at the okay. age of three. My dad came for. My dad was is a CPA and he was also a professor, so he came to this country for his education. So he came first. Then my mother came. She was a pharmacist. And then when they got at, everything settled with their home and everything. Then they sent for me. And uh, back then, I mean, could you imagine my kids hear this now? And they're like, I can't believe grandma and grandpa sent you <laughs> on a plane by yourself at three. <laughs> I think parents would be arrested if they did that today. <laughs> so, different time, <laughs> very different time. And so um, actually on the day that I left Korea, there was a grandmother also immigrating to the United States. So the headline was the youngest and the oldest immigrating to to the United States, but I had a, I had a tag that said, my name is Yanni Choi and I don't speak any English and I'm here to meet my parents in Los Angeles. So you look at those things and what makes you stronger? You know, obviously I don't remember much about that flight. I didn't learn English until I was six, but I think all those things are are what builds our character. The other important part of my life is I grew up with a special needs brother. So I have a younger brother who was born with Down syndrome. And back in the mid 70s, my parents didn't receive a lot of support. They didn't really know much about Down syndrome. So we had to figure that out too. And so admittedly, I probably had a tougher childhood just with that and also trying to find my identity between two different cultures and moving from a large city like Los Angeles. We moved to a smaller town in Pennsylvania, and then we moved to Chicago in the middle of my high school year. So all those things were very tough at the time. But as I look back, I think that's what made me who I am today. It's character building, as they say. And so I everybody has a story. And so when I talk to young people, I try to find out their story. And I think we could all spend a little bit of time of encouraging and identifying and empathizing with that. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very compassionate and wanting to help anybody who asks for it. But also it was up to me to take action. And so that's all we can do is to provide guidance and lessons learned to the next generation. And then it's up to them. And I think that that needs to be discussed in that way.
1: I appreciate your passion for this. And as I Joked about before we got on the recorded line. You know, it it always lands better coming from somebody who isn't a parent when you're giving out advice, or or at least in my family, it tends to land better um, mm-hmm. when I'm not the one <laughs> passing the advice out. But I I know you're so passionate, but I also happen to know that you're very methodical about bringing new people into this industry. So I'm hoping that you can tell our listeners about your success in finding younger talent and retaining it within JMG for the long term. What's your secret sauce?
3: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know if it's a secret sauce. I think one of our core values at our firm is transparency, not only to our clients about fees and the services we provide, but also to our employees. And so I think it's really important in an organization that leadership and management be transparent and including all the employees that's important especially in this in the past 14 to 15 months what we've all had to endure and i think we've gotten such positive feedback from our employees because they because of the trust that we've developed over time but also making them aware that that we're working on things. And so asking for their feedback is really important. Also understanding and telling them we may not be able to change everything overnight and accommodate everybody because it's a lot of people to to accommodate. Everybody's different. But I think the point is, and they appreciated just being included, being asked, what do you like about working remotely? What's your preference? How can we work it out so that we're, we're all happy and we can all be productive, but also not giving up kind of the in-person development that's so critical in somebody's personal and professional development, especially at our firms. So I think that's been key, is that transparency.
2: So Yanni, one of the analogies I like to use is that advisors get into this business and they oftentimes will be Saying quote unquote math teachers, where two plus two equals four, and they realize as they work their way through the business that they have become quote unquote art teachers, where it's creativity and it's not necessarily the math game. And I'm wondering, and I'm curious how much you think some of the hard skills and soft skills of this business can be taught. And would you entertain hiring someone that doesn't already come from with a financial background?
3: Yes, I would. And I have, Uh, we have a number of individuals who they would see this as a career change Mm -hmm. for them. I think getting back to Laura's question about my secret sauce Mm -hmm is we do assessments and we spend a lot of time up front in the hiring process. In fact, I, I just had a conversation with, with a candidate this morning just because I wasn't quite sure of the fit. And it really wasn't more of um, us making the decision not to continue, but it was more of telling the candidate, listen, I'm not sure that you'd be happy uh, doing this. And so I think having that discussion is really important. Going through the assessments is really just a, it's really twofold. I always tell candidates, this is really kind of a way for you to see what it's really like to do this job. So we incorporate little parts of what they would be doing in a particular role and we, we time them because I also need to see how they react to time management and deadlines and also how they approach problem solving with something that they may not be uh, familiar with. And so that's the analytical side in terms of thinking how one thinks. But then beyond that, it's explaining why we even care about this why we need to go through this process and in, in calculations. It's once you explain that to somebody, then it's a matter of they have a different perspective in learning. They're like, oh, I get it. I see the, I see the result, I see the 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 end game of it. So even if somebody's coming from a different background, if they have that internal, that core value of being a lifelong learner. And the way they think, I think that's a big part of it. And so the important thing, of course, is alignment too with our firm. I I also tell young people when they're looking at firms for interviews and especially when they're getting ready after college, make sure you create what your ideal firm is first. What's important to you? Then as you're interviewing at companies, then you kind of see where they fit. Because I think a lot of times young people make the mistake of being influenced and persuaded because they like what they hear. It sounds really exciting. And then then when they join, it's a little different than what they really thought. So I always suggest to them, first of all, determine what's most important to you. And then you can figure out whether or not the company might fit
2: and
1: where you might be in alignment. That's great. Yeah, I think that's very valuable because I think so many people just you know, think they they want to get a job. Just getting the job is checking the box. But if you're not happy, it's never going to be a valuable fit for you or the employer. So we've, we've talked about the growth of JMG over a long period of time and the the quicker growth over the last 18 months or so. How do you see, you know, as you continue to grow, How do you see your role or the roles that you have evolving? I mean, you've got a lot of big titles, COO, CMO, and principal of the firm. I'm wondering, do you and the other partners have a succession plan in place? I guess you do. You said so earlier, but what's your philosophy behind that succession planning? And when you decide it's time to leave, where do you hope the firm to be on its path?
3: Yeah, that's a great question because I've been thinking about that a lot since I've been here thirty-five years. I mean, my, pretty much my whole adult life. I've I'm celebrating thirty-five years at the firm this year, and I think now that that, that runway is getting a little shorter for me in terms of planning, <laughs> <laughs> so whether of I like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I think part of it's recognizing that nobody's irreplaceable, and then that, that includes myself it just means that it's it might be done a little differently. I think the important thing to recognize too is that we're in our succession plan, now we're living it. We're living our transition. We're in our third generation of leadership, fourth generation of ownership, and that just that will continue on. The the challenge of course is as we grow, how do we maintain this culture so we don't jeopardize our brand? And so that's where I think the development part of it and focusing on our talent is really important. So we made a big decision last November. We brought on a person. She's in a senior role. She's a senior director of organizational development. A lot of experience on the management training, leadership training at very large firms and also in very different industries. And so here now we have an outside perspective coming in and somebody who can actually spend their job dedicated to our talent, our people. That is our investment. And so for me, that's been a huge relief just because, I mean, I do wear many hats. It's just part of what has happened to me. Nobody wrote my job description. I kind of had to grow into it and evolve and just take it on. And and so now as we continue to grow, it's a matter of being very mindful, very intentional, very thoughtful of the way we grow. And so by bringing somebody and this was a big step for us where now I have to shift some of that responsibility to her and so we work very closely together. And so I feel I feel good. I feel good that we have somebody now that can focus on our talent and that understands what we need and can plan for the future and actually Quantifying those metrics and and looking at how many people in this position will we need in three, four, five years, and so on. So, I think that was very strategic in the way that we've been thinking. And honestly, her success is my success. So, I think that's also important for leaders to understand sometimes you got to let go and you can't control everything all the time. And so, the way that you can leave a legacy is by Supporting that next person who's going to be taking over those things. Um, I think that's that's really important. And so, the other part of it is training our trainers, training the managers. A lot of times, we have to recognize that the superstars are great at what they do, but sometimes when you put them in a different role, maybe that's to manage people. They need some guidance. It's not automatic that the doers become great managers. And so I think that's something that firms should recognize as well and spend some time on that. It's an investment. I also look at my position now as the employees are my clients. And so that's been my approach in terms of this firm and how we manage that firm, establishing those relationships. I get to know every employee very well, and, and more so because I spend time with them before they even get hired. But I've also helped people leave, actually where you can tell their performance is declining. You can just tell that maybe they're not so happy. And when you're not happy doing what you're doing, then it's going to be reflective in your performance. So I've, I have counseled people to, to, in the way they exit and then actually helping them find their next opportunity. So that's another part of it. The world is small. And so my advice to young people is don't burn any bridges. So if, if you need to leave, then make sure you leave in a professional manner so that nothing is left undone and nobody can speak badly about you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you never know because I have rehired a number of employees as well, where they left years ago for personal reasons. They stayed in touch and just our paths crossed again. There's an opportunity and they have rejoined our firm. So I have, so that's why I always tell people, you just never know.
2: That's true. Well, Yanni, as our time comes to a close today, we'd like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with some actionable takeaways. Okay, so there's going to be two questions. First, share one piece of advice that you would give to young professionals who are listening and what are some actionable steps they can take to help prepare them for success in this industry in the future?
3: I would say networking is so important. Mm -hmm. So seek out professionals who do different things in the industry and reach out to them just to chat with them, ask for a 15, 30-minute conversation, not asking for a job necessarily, but just wanting to network with them and, and ask them some questions about their path. And really, who's going to say no to that? Because mm-hmm. in our, that's the one great thing about our industry is that we like to help people.
1: Yeah.
3: And it's about relationships. So that's I can't true. think of one professional counterpart of mine or a colleague of mine that would deny somebody that few minutes to have that conversation. But the other thing I would tell young people is is really being very self-aware, acknowledging what they're not so good at. And there's so many tools out there. There's a great book, Strength Finders yep. 2.0 that people can read just to understand and recognize what they're good at and also maybe what they're not so good at. And just getting through different situations where maybe you might have to focus a little bit on, on what you're not so comfortable with. We can't change our personality, but we can change the way that we can react and adapt. And I think that's what's key. And young people also need to understand that. And I think a lot of self-reflection and, and really acknowledging and admitting, because nobody likes to be criticized um, about what they're not good at, but I think listening is really important yeah. and really kind of soul-searching and and that self-recognition is super important.
2: So second, a piece of advice for firm leaders who are making hiring decisions, what should be top of mind for them as they actually go through the recruitment and hiring process and that advice that help them? Have better retention and possibly, like you, lead them to one day be recognized as one of the best places for financial advisors to work?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it really comes down to transparency and time. Mm-hmm. I think that anybody coming, joining any firm, needs to know exactly what they're getting into. They need to uh, talk to many people at the firm so they get an idea of their culture. More time needs to be spent. Up front. And I get that a lot from candidates where you know that's first one of the first things they say, is, thank you so much for spending all this time. even if it doesn't work out, give them some suggestions mm-hmm. on how they can improve and maybe give them some guidance. Maybe you might see something in their skill set or their personality that you know that they don't recognize. and maybe they don't know that there are opportunities and there's this area of different areas in our industry. So I think that's important. I think I wish leaders would spend more time doing that, more t- spending more time being honest with young people. One thing that I'm really proud of at our firm too and I challenge all the hiring managers out there as well is when somebody joins you and you touch base with them after they've been with you for about a month. You know, the first question we ask is is there anything about this job that is a surprise to you mm. or anything? And 100%. No, nope, this is exactly what you told me I would be doing. And I remember this from the assessments you gave me and and the conversations with so and so was so helpful. That's what that's the answer you need to have. Yeah. And so if you approach the hiring process that way that there's no surprise for anybody who joins your firm. I think that will just take you so much further in high retention.
2: Well, Yanni, I'm going to be honest and tell you it has been a real delight to have you on the podcast today. So thank you.
3: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion. As you can tell, I'm really passionate about this. (laughs) And um, I hope, and if just one person can take something away from this and do something, that would be great. Yeah,
2: that's great. Thank you, Yanni, again. If you would like to know more about JMG Financial Group they have made it very easy, just visit www.jmgfinancial.com. That's jmgfinancial.com. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other FlexShares podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor.
0: Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.